And we're live. What up, Briv? E boys, e girls. Welcome to Eden. <laughs> oh, what's good, bruv? What's Top happening, man. bruv? Top man. <laughs> what other ones? It's ledge. Total ledge. What else? Oh, man. <laughs> I got to say, uh, I love waking up to new BitBoy montages. Seriously, I'm, I, I ask myself every day when I, I see a new clip of him. How could it possibly get worse? <laughs> his life Dude. his life is like uh it's like a high speed like car accident where if instead of the car you, you know like the car slams into the wall but it doesn't stop it, it slams <laughs> into the wall it injures all the passengers oh yeah but the driver is so coked out of his mind that he's able to drive through the wall continue driving and slam into the guardrail a few times before flipping his car all over the expressway while live streaming for support. Um, so for those of you see that those don't videos know, of him when, yeah, do you see those videos of him before he got to Georgia? Um, the ones where he's driving. Yeah. Where he's in the car and he's like, you know, dancing to crank that soldier boy and some other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, he's not he looking good. Okay. It's not looking good, bruv. <laughs> I, the, the craziest part is that he scheduled the video, right? So he let the guy know ahead of time that he was going to show up to his house like hours ahead of time. Cause the video was scheduled on YouTube. <laughs> and, <laughs> so he like calculated how long it was going to take him to get there, <laughs> put it, put a countdown timer on it, then drove out to the guy's house um, to get into trouble. So those of you that don't know about the BitBoy drama, BitBoy's own media company, they kicked him out. Ben Armstrong, the BitBoy, is no longer associated with BitBoy Crypto. And in the process of that, they... Uh, took over uh, accounts of his, you know, funds, some assets, uh, most likely because they were in the company name and not his personal name. Uh, this I'm, I'm saying without any factual knowledge, I'm just going off of why I would imagine they're taking quote unquote his Lambo um, and accounts and things like that. So what he did was uh, he, after he got locked out of everything, he did a... He went online, he did a little fundraise, which a lot of us found quite funny because he has been very critical of others doing that in the past. And when he was harassing smaller streamers, when they were talking about, you know, kind of the scummy things that he's promoted and things he's done in the past, he launched a lawsuit against them uh, with the sole intention of bleeding them dry. So he's not a very, you know, well-moraled or intentioned person. And... You know, he, he likes doing things to people, but didn't doesn't like when they're done back to him, clearly. Um, so what he did was his Lambo got taken. He tried to raise some money for it. 
And he ended up driving to Georgia where the other co-owner or founder. He raised like 300 grand, didn't he? When, last I looked, it was just over a hundred. So he may oh, have okay. gotten up to 300. Uh, you know, I, I saw that it was like 130 and I couldn't believe that there were so many people that were willing to give this guy money. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, <laughs> no, no proof here, nothing, nothing, uh, no evidence yet, but he, he appeared drugged out of his mind, uh, driving to get his Lambo. He was with the woman who he was cheating on his wife with, which was the most comical part of the whole thing that well, he, how that, 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 that <laughs> slow moving train wreck of he's like in the car, you mean who's the car yeah, knowing he, that he's live streaming it. All yeah. He's like, okay, okay, who's in the car? And they're like, who's in the fucking car? And he's like, <laughs> in the car, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, I have my wife's permission. Uh, uh, my wife knows she's here, okay? We're streaming, we're live streaming. There's like 2,500 people watching. But my mistress is in the car, okay, guys? And I'm fucking coked out of my mind right now. All right, you fucking happy? You happy? <laughs> oh, it was just like comedic gold seeing him like so know that he was so fucked. Like he put the phone down. So, uh, for context, so he shows up to the guy's house to get the Lamborghini. Uh, upon uh, parking his car and getting out, there's already police there. So he, he walks up streaming, the cops stop him, and, and from right there, like, you know, it's it's full go. It's, okay, buddy, like, are you armed? Uh, where's the weapons at? What do you got going on? And he puts his phone down, puts his bag down so he can get searched. He's got a pistol in the back seat or a weapon of some sort in the back seat. So he came fully, fully packing with his mistress, coked out of his mind to get a Lambo. This guy meant business, all right? <laughs> but yeah, so they, they shake him down. And while they're, while they're questioning him, you know, and patting him down, they ask him if anyone else is in the car. And uh, you see his face just like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm streaming and everyone who's watching this is going to find out right now. And he's like, in the car? Uh, and they're like, yeah, who's in the car? And he's like, uh, <laughs> like, buddy, who's in the car? You got anyone in the car? He's like, yeah, yeah, in the car. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, who's in the car? Yeah, like, who's in the car? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> about that, in the car. You know, he just keeps on, like, rolling it out until they kind of yell at him. And then, and then he notices, like, he, it's the camera's on the ground because he had to put his hands up. Yeah. So he's like, I can't go and turn this live stream off right now. And he's just like... He just is like looking at the camera with this like face of regret. Like, God, I'm so fucked. He just knew it was going to get clipped to all hell and spread yeah. everywhere. Like he knew it was it was absolutely game fucking over. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure like where this goes, right? Like I'm not really sure. Uh, if he gets anything bad, like, is this just entertainment for us right now? Like, it is, I don't, I don't see him getting anything back. I don't no. see him, like, fixing his reputation. I don't know what the intention of live streaming going to get your Lambo was. No, dude, this is just, it's, it, this is, you it's know. It's gotta be Armstrong. pure entertainment. You know, it's gotta be, yeah. like, I know that th this is, like, Fousey tube level like insanity it's, right it's, like it's his alex jones you know arc right like i yeah. love that for him really i do like yeah. ben uh the man formerly known as bit boy if you're listening to this 
uh, at any time in the future. I love the new arc. I truly do. I love the the Alex Jones arc. But you gotta you gotta know when it's right, <laughs> the right time to to live stream something when it's not the right time. He's gonna going, come out so strong. His brand is back, dude. Just like he wanted. Going with a loaded gun to your ex co-founder's house in hopes to negotiate getting your your repoed Lamborghini back while your mistress is accompanying you may not be the best time to live stream. Just putting that out there. I don't know. Um, no, dude. This is it's it's a uh, cost of goods sold, man. It's a uh, it's a business expense. Him going to jail is to get his brand back. He's gonna come back so much stronger, I think. <laughs> it's I don't know if you if you pay attention to like any of the the streaming culture or, or current streamers that are are kind of making waves, but it, it reminds me very much of like what's going on with Fuzi. And Fuzi was like an old school YouTuber from when yeah he just got like arrested in a hotel room or something, right? Dude, if you if you hadn't been watching the train wreck unfold over like from the time he started restreaming again until he just got arrested and and capped under I forgot what act it is, but like when they when the police are like someone deems you uh, a potential like risk due to like your your psychological state. They yeah, can... like a prick yourself kind of thing. Yeah, I forgot what the the act is called, but that's what they did yeah. to him. They they went they went to go check him out at his hotel because he had gotten he was getting threatened by some guy. Some guy had like you know he's live streaming twenty four hours a day. People kind of they're gonna know where you're at. And you're gonna have enemies or people that just want to troll and fuck with you. So these <clears throat> this guy had called in a bomb threat to the restaurant he was at said that he was Fousey and that he was going to bomb the place. So, like, you know, made the waitress really upset. She didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And uh, he, he's had he's been swatted or had a bunch of shit happen to him over the last, you know, like, few weeks leading up to this. Um, but, yeah, he was in his hotel room, and he got this call earlier about, you know, some kid threatening his mom, and then the kid kind of playing around with him on the phone. So he calls the police, but he lies to the police. He tells them that there's someone there with a gun to his head and they're going to kill him. And, you know, he needs them to come, that this guy's threatening his mom and threatening to kill him. So the cops show up and he starts being just like an egotistical, like, douchebag to them. Like, you know, trying to use the cloud. He's like saying they're nothing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's the biggest person in the world outside of, you know, Andrew Tate. And, you know, I'm the most famous streamer. Like, everyone's watching me, but you guys are nothing. I'm going to make you lose your jobs. Like, he's just a total piece of shit. Like, he's everything about... He, he is the type of person with money that, like, everybody hates. Um, and it, I, I, like... I love watching the train wreck portion of him. Because he's always been like that, you know, even when he was like a smaller, quote unquote, smaller YouTuber that had clout in the YouTube streaming game, when there was only YouTube streaming uh, and broadcasting, he was still a piece of shit. So, <laughs> like, seeing his train wreck now is is almost like it's gratifying. It kind of feels, you feel bad for him because you're like, damn, I, it sucks to see another person, like, go through all this shit. But to see such a piece of shit, like someone who's so shitty to other humans, have to deal with so much, um, it's just like a, a testament that karma exists. But uh, anyway, I feel like this is the Ben Armstrong, like, Fousey arc. Like, Fousey, Fousey uh, live streaming himself, you know, beating up 
uh, eight on eighteen year old kids and like talking down to them, it just makes them look like a fucking idiot, you know, peeing on their lawns. And now you have Ben Armstrong live streaming himself driving to his fucking ex founder's house, uh, threatening him while he's while he's apparently drugged out of his mind. Like these guys are just fucking uh, like completely off the rockers. We'll do anything for views, and it's just like it blows my mind. It's very Black Mirror. Yeah. It's very Black Mirror-esque. They, I, I feel like both of them were doing it. Like uh, when Fousey was getting arrested, he was asking them, like, take a picture of me. Take a picture of me getting arrested. Take a picture and post it on the Internet. Please take a picture of this. Post it on the Internet. And it's like, dude, you're you're literally like <laughs> you're getting uh, uh, sent to a psych ward. And the only thing you care about is a picture of you getting arrested like goes up so like people can like it and talk about it. Uh, it's like, it's more like that type of, uh, complex is like a deeper form of mental illness than I think the majority of like crypto people have, <laughs> like crypto people have a, a serious, like, uh, most of them have, have myself included, uh, you know, some, some mental illness, uh, tendencies, <laughs> But like the, that level of it is just uh, it's unfathomable. I don't know how like I, it, it's hard to get myself in the mindset of thinking that way to even understand it. It hurts my head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here. Um, but it's, uh, you know. There's no vol. There's zero going on on chain. So, well, you know, you remember the uh, sailor is a bull, bull, bull. Girl. Yeah, of course. That, dude, she started the, like you know the massive bull run. So maybe this is our uh, this is our bull run moment. We need a new sailor is a bull, bull, bull girl. Yeah. Or a guy. I mean, hey, maybe a guy comes out and he makes he makes some banging records for us to. I mean, yeah, his uh, they already chopped up a Bit Boy video when he was like in a hotel this week. I saw it. <laughs> it's not bad. It's like you don't know who you're messing with or something like that. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk. Um. What's going on? What's going on with the Brits? bruv oh man the brits bruv not looking good bruv it uh it appears it appears the brits are getting cut off from like everything which is weird because it seemed like the uk was one of the english speaking safe havens kind of or <laughs> you know the one of the places where you had the most favorable uh right. treatment when dealing with regulators so it, it's it, a ton of companies located out of there too yeah, so it's really strange to see. I mean, even even when Coinbase started having their issues, the first thing you saw was them in the UK kind of like showing off like, hey, look at us. We're, we're engaging with, uh, <laughs> with, yeah, with, with uh, the FCA over there. And like, so it kind of it kind of threw me through a loop seeing this. Um, you see Binance like every few months uh, have having banking they're issues. Always, they're always in hot water. Huh? They're always in hot water somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying you, you see them every few months have an issue. So, like, you kind of brush it off. But to see it kind of more 
officially stated and a bunch of exchanges um, follow suit with removing uh, their fiat on-ramps, off-ramps. Uh, it's looking rough, bruv. Yeah, you got Bybit withdrew. And I think it has to do with the recent, like, a ruling on marketing. There's like some, there was a ruling on marketing that just went through. Whereas it's, I don't know, it made it very difficult to do business as a crypto company in the country. So you saw a few exchanges being like, mm, I don't know about this. And Bybit was the most vocal about it. And they withdrew services in the country. And now you're starting to see it on the banking side. Whereas like JP Morgan Chase, their Chase Bank UK is no longer allowing for deposits or crypto transactions on banking accounts or debit cards. I'll tell you this. I just set up some new Chase accounts and I knew the branch. I didn't know going in there that I knew the branch manager from years ago, but luckily I did. Uh, so he came out to help me set up business accounts and because he knows like the type of work I've been doing, that was like the first thing he said to me, like, just want to make sure these accounts aren't used for uh, like any type of exchange business or, you know, I'm like, I'm not a virtual service or asset service provider. I'm not a money service business. I don't uh, engage in any lending or borrowing with crypto assets. I don't use the fiat for my account to buy crypto assets or sell crypto assets. You will only be receiving funds from crypto assets being sold uh, and transfer this account. And uh, he was like, okay, I just want to make sure because the back offices, you know, they're pretty tight about that kind of stuff and they probably close your account. So it seems like crypto companies, yeah, even in the U.S., using Chase for banking, uh, it's not looking good, bruv. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a, a few things to state on that, but um, uh, obviously I've been in the biz for a bit now. Got a few crypto crypto companies um i've never caveat i've never had issues with chase they've been my my prime premier bank for the last i don't even know decade and yeah. i've you know i've only had uh crypto income for going on seven years so like they i, I said that to them right there i'm like if i'm like chase, i haven't had anything besides crypto related income for almost seven years now and you guys have never done a thing to my personal account uh, I'm only going to be, you know, doing the same types of transactions in the business account to then transfer to my personal account, like the, for, for my monthly spends, uh, would that differ at all? And he was like, oh no, probably not. So no, it does. They, yeah, they, they, uh, what's the right word? Carte blanche. No, they, yeah, they don't, I've never even got, I don't think a notice. Um, no, they, the only thing they did for me is they, they invited me to private client. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's just like a hundred liquid in the account. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's exactly what it was. Like as soon as there was just over a hundred in the account, I got a phone call on that Monday. Like, Hey, uh, you don't have, um, I forgot what it was like, I didn't have a, a beneficiary on the account and you know, I wasn't in private client. So they, <laughs> they invited me over really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I run all the credit transactions through um, Chase-based cards. 
I got a few crypto businesses and different different types of consulting. Run it all through Chase. Um, no issues. And if there was any issues, they, you know, I'm sure they'll just request for some legal documentation on the service agreements. And as long as you can provide those, I don't, I don't think you'll run into any issues. Um, maybe if you're trying to do like, I don't know, more than seven figures in a transaction. But other than that, I haven't seen any issues. But it's always good to have a backup. A good backup in the U.S. anyways is like Mercury. They're a fintech. I think he told me that on the personal account, it's anything over 50. And on your business account, it's anything over 100. That what? That they'd, they'd run a, a, they'd get an alert for, or they'd run a check for, like they'd have to do some DD on. Hmm. Um, I've definitely done more, more than both on both of those. and. Yeah, but they may, they may be familiar with your account and transaction type. So like they went through. Yeah, and also if you've been a banking client for like, you know, a decade. I'm... Yeah. Cause he didn't say like, Oh, you're going to get a call. He just said, he told me that he was going to get notified. He's like, yeah, if there's like a transaction for more than 50 in your personal, then I, I get a notice if there's more than a hundred, I think in your business. Uh, yeah. And we, uh, I do our, we have our banker lady. She knows us are the, the office is actually like a half, a half a block away from the bank. So we go over there. I've been over there quite a few times, open up different accounts and some parts of the business need like um, client asset based accounts. Um, so there's like some special account types that, you know, yeah, it's Chase has been a good bank. It's been a good bank. Wells Fargo has been, I guess, pretty shitty. Bank of America has been pretty shitty. Yeah. I don't know. I don't use yeah. Those. Say what you will about uh, banking with them and having my, my last mortgage through them was super convenient they like they streamlined everything so when it came like tax time i didn't have to worry about finding uh paying additional property taxes setting up a secondary escrow account to to put money away for they like streamlined everything for me so i will give it to them on on that part <laughs> enough sucking off the big banks okay, okay. um yeah. hey what but so one thing that people might not be aware of is the Wyoming Bank Charter. It's the only bank charter where you can have a custodianship of both cash and digital assets. However, the two banks that are set up with boots on the ground, if you will, is Custodia, which had a different name before Custodia, I forget, and Kraken Bank. And... I think that they are kind of setting up for an imminent approval for their like Fed wire account number. Sounds like the biggest thing is that they, they can't move money on Fed wire um, because they don't have they don't have an account number. The Fed won't give them an account number because of the crypto asset stuff. But so you're talking about Chase. No, I'm talking about other banking options. Uh. And yeah, so just to, I, just to put it out there, if you're a crypto business, Kraken Bank, Custodia Bank, both based in Wyoming, they might imminently be, you know, ready to, to, to support. Um, they've, been, they've been in the pro process of suing the Fed for like two years at this point. 
Um, and I think that they're kind of gearing up for uh, an imminent um, approval. So maybe get on their wait list. Are you uh, on either of their wait lists or do you have any experience dealing with Kraken or Custodia? I and don't is Kraken know. related to Kraken the exchange? Correct. Interesting. So they're they're getting into the banking industry. Yeah, they both have presence presence in Wyoming, uh, Cheyenne. Like they actually have an office and everything already, as far as I know, as far as I'm aware. But uh, yeah, I I um, have I don't know what I'm allowed to say, and what I'm not allowed to say, but I have been spoken to in terms of starting the onboarding process. So my assumption is they're they are gearing people up for for an imminent launch. I'm gonna have to check them out. Yeah, I'm uh, always looking for a backup. I, I have a lot of, <clears throat> even though I, I've had a, a very good personal experience with Chase, I have a lot of friends who move, you know, they're, they're doing significantly more volume in and out of their Chase account because they're not, uh, they're not crypto native, I guess you could say. Um, they're, they're very crypto active, but they don't work within the industry. They're not paid, uh, you know, for their, their work or services in crypto. <clears throat> they have regular jobs that they're making fiat and they, they trade for fun. Um, for them though, where they are they are consistently moving, you know, high six, seven figures on and off of Coinbase. Uh, they ran into some some issues with uh, with their banking. So uh, even though I'm not uh, doing that type of commerce through them, I I'm always looking for a backup because I would hate to be in the, in a in a situation where I lose my my soul <laughs> my soul banking partner. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these two banks, I think, are more geared toward business relationships. Mercury is definitely geared towards fintechs uh, and and business relationships for personal banking. Fuck well, yeah, it's my it's my company. I'm more worried about you know. Oh, okay, um, yeah, 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 you should try those options out. Yeah, paying paying myself from one bank account to another bank account, you know, Chase will never have a problem with that, but. It's more on the uh, consolidation of of digital assets into fiat, and them being the the first, uh, you know, fiat banking partner that touches. What see. else is going on? I know the um, so Satsuma, one of our partners, um, announced that it was acquired by Alchemy today. Ooh, that hit that hit the news the news blotters. So uh, Alchemy is is spinning up. Alchemy is just mass expansion right now, dude. They are getting into everything. Like in terms of like infrastructure, setting out like a kind of abstraction. Like they got a pretty robust offering. Obviously, you know, node operations, um, event monitoring, and now indexing. That indexing. So. That'll be interesting to see. However, you're starting to see some pop-ups in in different methods to look at indexing. Um, we don't need to spend too much time on this because this is a developer problem. But subgraph is is a set of skills that is uh, hard to come by. 
And so you to have someone on your team to, to constantly, you know, monitor and update and enhance and the maintenance costs of a subgraph is a skill set on its own that is not really translatable into other parts of the business. Um, but yeah, I mean, subgraph is still the, the pro prominent, you know, indexing service for any sort of analytic data that you need, any historic data that you need from the blockchain. Do we have so, the largest uh, subgraph or the most incentivized? I know we're one of the, I, I know we're one of the top metrics. Which is funny because we don't even need the subgraph in Ethereum anymore. We need to we need to change the we need to use the decentralized service on Arbitrum and then we need to point those rewards to the Arbitrum subgraph. But yeah, we had been the highest curated subgraph, mostly because we are self-curating. But yeah. It's, curation is like a signal. It's like this subgraph needs a lot of uptime. It's like a like proof of stake on a node. So we we've had the highest stake on our subgraph. Um, but we don't even really need the Ethereum anyone because we stops you know supporting the mainnet. But but still we can we can re we can reallocate that laser. Big pimpin. Yeah, but that's on the subgraph side. Satsuma was um, a parallel service. They were not as decentralized, but um, subgraph in all its glory has some has some issues. Sync times there's I think like twenty four thirty six hours sometimes. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot when you want to make an amendment and then you got to run it through every block. Um, Stats are off for a full day. Everyone wondering what the fuck's going on. Yeah, it's it's a pain. It's a pain. There's like very charts it's not on very data sites. We didn't have like to have two A in the syncing environment and a prod environment. <laughs> all so the analytics. Satsuma was all uh, not decentralized at all. It was completely centralized. But we could have five environments. We could have one that was syncing with the new graph while we we're supporting the old one, and then we could just do a hot swap out. So we don't need to change any code. We just change the where the the gra the subgraph endpoint is like pointing to, which index. Uh, it was nice, but and then you're starting to see some like TypeScript based solutions that are mm, essentially kind of like compilers almost, but like you can write the indexing service on TypeScript and then have it conform to to syncing to a subgraph. Um, which is a more, it, there's a lot more developers on a traditional DeFi team with TypeScript over whatever you need for subgraph. So we'll see what that, that market, that, that's a big market that no one really fully understands unless you're on the dev side. But uh, indexing is, is a major, you know, infrastructure cost. But uh, Alchemy is pretty good pricing. So hopefully the, the pricing on that will go down. Plus the sync times will go up because you have that they got some of the quickest nodes in the West. <laughs> you know, one thing I thought was uh, kind of interesting that we, we skipped over when we were talking about uh, kind of, um, <coughs> sorry. We were talking about uh, like regulation and stuff uh, just a moment ago was uh, MoneyGram stuff. 
did you did you see that MoneyGram Western Union is is yeah uh, gonna launch a wallet? And yeah what do you think about that? I know it's on Stellar, but I feel like this is. I wanted to bring this up because this has been like a running meme. I feel like for the last like five years, six years or so. they keep on having announcements right then they have announcement with ripple like a few years ago or like ripple i think is like owns half a moneygram or something remember that Yep. Which is weird because they're launching on Stellar. I don't I think don't know. I I feel like it's always been Stellar doing something with them. Uh I don't remember Ripple ever having Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Not Ripple. It's always been Stellar. Uh but but every like announcement of an announcement that they've ever made ha has been like adjacent to this it's always a moneygram or like western union announcement i feel like maybe ripple did have one in the past too what is it with these these fucking like uh <laughs> ripple like assets and moneygram western union announcements it's like it's like the google announcement of uh <laughs> of tron like assets I, I'm not sure, dude. I'm not sure. I I don't like. I that's like a dying business. I'm sure that their tech stack is so archaic. But you know, one insight that I sh totally overlooked working at a bank, and I didn't realize it until someone said told me at uh, at Masari was. A lot of these banks, their infrastructure is so old that the foundational rails are like built on cobalt. Like you can't even find cobalt developers anymore. You get those memes like, we can't even build it anymore. I asked my dad what it would take to build this. We can't, we don't have the tech, right? Like it's like that at the banks, right? Like it's, it is a huge existential crisis, like risk that you don't have enough developers if one of these if something if these pieces of code that have been built on pieces of code that have been like just you know 30 year old code built on top of each other on top of each other like yeah you you got the cobalt infrastructure mainframes you got like goldman sec db is written in slang you got like you know which is a proprietary language you have like a lot of this stuff um And to hit a reset button on the tech stack is like billions and billions and billions of dollars to do, right? And we're talking like to do it while it's already moving, while you're already providing all these services is like a 10-year overhaul in infrastructure, like project. So the quickest way to actually hit a reset button is just straight up just straight align your tech stack to blockchain and you can like oh you can wipe away a lot of that tech debt that you've built over the last 30 years um because it has like all the fundamental components that you need which i it makes sense to me right like whether it's permission blockchain and internal whatever but just blockchain technology itself um allows you to wipe that that slate clean and then you can come up with a you know you have this growing developer base that you know you can support any any amendments that you need um you don't have you can get rid of that like you know
old school risk. So anyways, I see, I see MoneyGram, um, Western Union, even though they're still massive, they still make a bunch of money because they charge like tons of fees. Um, but yeah, it's been surprising that I, those announcements were like years ago. Um, and now they're just announcing a non-custodial wallet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> like the, the easy yeah. implementation, like, yeah, we're just going to spin up a non-custodial wallet. You can fund it and send money wherever. No problem. What they're going to do is they're going to allow you to tie your address to your MoneyGram like username, and then they'll make it just like, uh, like the human readable addresses. Like you remember when that was a big thing when ENS had a bunch of competitors, uh, spin up or it was like, I'm trying to think what it was called, like something domains. Unstoppable. Unstoppable domains was one of them. They're still around. Yeah. Yeah. There was one other one too. That was, that was pretty popular for a little bit of time. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Kind of reminds me of that. Other thing I thought was, I saw that I thought was kind of funny was, uh, Bitfinex is doing like a, a world tour kind of, they're doing a seven month, 21 city tour to educate communities about Bitcoin and blockchain. We're going to spread knowledge of Bitcoin as a non-inflationary asset. Talk about the history, uh, <laughs> the future of cryptocurrencies. It, it just, it, it re it's very like a uh, Roger Verish to me. Like when I read about this, I'm like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Uh, and I just like, I keep imagining like the picture of Paulo, like with his thumb up, uh, like in different places of the world. He's like with, you know, little kids in Vietnam, like with his thumb up and a four in the other hand, <laughs> holding the Bitcoin standard. <laughs> is it global or is it just 21 cities in Turkey? 21 cities. I'm calling it the world tour. You don't hit 21 cities and not call it a world, world tour, okay? Oh, it's just first stop is Turkey. <laughs> no, 21 cities it's, across it's, Turkey. It's across Turkey, yeah. Just you don't hit 21 cities and not call it a world tour, okay? Look, I mean, you got DevConnect in Turkey. You got something like 50% of people in Turkey like regularly using crypto or own crypto or something like that. Like that, that, that kind of adoption number is massive. Dude, Turkey, Turkey is a, is a massive country, right? Istanbul is definitely top 10 in the world in terms of population. I'm pretty sure I want to say 18 or something. I could be getting that stat way off. I think the last time I looked at that stat was probably like eight years ago, but um, look, we, I think we had this discussion yesterday, like, <laughs> Post FTX, you're starting to see like some of these these nascent like you know domestic markets springing up. BTC Turk is a prime example. Yeah. Um, and the last person that that ran a, a scammy exchange in Turkey just got sentenced like over a thousand years or something in jail. So um, people are going to be running a tight ship. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And uh, maybe Bitfinex is doing it because BTC's Turk is just like, you know, they're they're eating well over there right now. And like they're like Bitfinex like we need to we need to get a Turkish business up. You see Kraken is expanding in Europe? They've got uh like Ireland and Spain or something. Yeah, they got licenses in Ireland and Spain now. I mean, I think that um 
someone was probably going to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is Kraken and Bitfinex are the two biggest European, it's two biggest exchanges for Europeans. Kraken, really? That's surprising to me. No, I mean, Kraken is the biggest like on-ramp, off-ramp for Europe, for sure. I, everyone I know in Europe, that's what they use. Bitfinex wasn't a surprising one for me, though. But but Kraken's uh, crypto to the euro market, I think, is the biggest in the world. Everyone else getting, everyone else withdrawing <laughs> and getting nervous, Kraken expanding. I think Binance just got, uh, just reopened um, registration somewhere in Europe, too. Big four in your face. Uh, was it? Not Germany, but one of the uh, German-like, German-adjacent countries. <laughs> Can't stop, CZ. What are your thoughts on Binance, all of the... We'll put it all into one, like, big bubble, the Binance bubble. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? you think Binance uh, is going to have some cataclysmic event that shocks the whole industry? Or are you more on the side that Binance has matured enough and has enough capital at this point to where even if they were doing things in the past to where if there was a bank run or they were audited properly, that it could have come down that by this point in time, they won't. I'll say, tell you that I'm on the side of the ladder of it being uh, them being <clears throat> them having more than enough money now in their current state and that much like Bitfinex in their early days, that there were a lot of questionable gaps and holes, uh, in possibly the solvency of, of that organization, maybe in like 2016, 2017, <clears throat> but, but by the time they were getting like investigated and providing documents to, um, what New York? I think they were they were being prosecuted. Um, <clears throat> they they were already fully solvent. They had plenty of fucking money. Um. Well, two things. First, Finex was my entry point into crypto because I was only really interested in Ethereum, and they're the first place that like I could trade Ethereum. Um. That's why back in my day, back in my YouTube days how to buy Ethereum on Coinbase, how to buy Ethereum on Gemini were like the most watched videos, even though I didn't like, I was talking about conceptual stuff and like theory, um, not necessarily like trading, <laughs> but uh, so, and then, but I had most of my capital on Finex when they had that hack and then they socialized losses to everyone, right? They gave you their like whatever, essentially it was a claim token. Um, and then they said that, you know, you could trade the claim token and then over time they would repay the amount that you lost through fees that they generated back to that claim token. Um, most people sold it at like, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. Um, but they eventually paid it back. So uh, it would have been a good trade. I think it probably would have took like five years, but. Well, hey, then they launched Leo. Huh? Then they launched Leo. And, is that was that Leo? That might have been that might have been the same thing. I don't they know. Had, they had a token before that that was called. 
I'm trying to think what it was called. But that was like in the 2016 era. I wasn't yeah, aware yeah. of any sort of issues that they had in terms of um, solvency back there then. There are a lot of uh, insolvency claim. Uh, there are there are a lot of insolvency or or misrepresenting of their backing and and. Uh, hey, I mean, Tether and Bitfinex has always been like that, but you've yet yeah. to prove them wrong, right? They're still operating. So. I, I will say that back in that era, I was on the fence. I wasn't in the camp that they would, you know, that nothing would happen to them, and I wasn't in the camp that something for surely would. But I'm now in the camp that uh, not financial advice. I'm just a, a purple cat boy on the internet. Uh, but I'm now in the camp that like anytime Tether, USDC, something like that, w one of those lose peg, it, it's just free money uh, to pick up. So I've, I don't mind risking. Um, I mean, there could be something, th there could be news where that completely absolves my theory, right? But uh, given the current state of their financials, there's never been... And there's never been a instance where I've worried that they weren't going to be able to fully back themselves or return to peg. I, I talked about this on one of the, the streams when you were gone, but like the USDC one was really funny to me because we have their financials. You knew exactly, even in the worst case scenario, what they could be, uh, what you could be fulfilled at. And people were still selling it down, you know, way below that number. I think, I think like, Max law max pain for USDC would have been like ninety four or ninety six cents or something, and uh, people sold it down. What in what was it eighty nine? Like it was below ninety cents. Look, I I I take the stance uh, before we even get into finance. I take the stance that like a lot of the OGs trade on Phoenix. I don't know if the last bull run was like that because I know that the post Bitmax like things have changed a lot in the trading realm. Just like when, where I grew up, it was Bitfenix was where the OGs were, especially in the Bitcoin space. Totally. But like if we were to see USDT like go up in smoke, we have a, a, a huge existential problem with the market as a whole. So even if you're trying to arb that down and it turns out that it's true and that the USDT is worth nothing, like or that might be like a nail in the coffin kind of thing where crypto's going to go down only it, it would never time. be worth all right there's a non-zero chance but <clears throat> it, it will close to never be worth nothing because of their their backings now like now the way that they've done the whole financial system would have to go down in flames like not just crypto but like the global financial system would have to go down in yeah flames. It's, yeah it's like, it's like when people talk about like if the u.s debt were to default Right. They're like, well, how would we deal with this situation? If the, I'm like, dude, this is the least of your worries. If the U.S. if the U.S. Um, if the U.S. defaulted on its debt, like we're in a whole <laughs> shitload of trouble. And the, how everything is priced in the entire uh, in the entire traditional finance like market. That's that's the least of your troubles. What you next what you're going to see next is anarchy and chaos. Um, I can't imagine that the other like institutions would allow for that to happen. Like you saw how, how quickly some of the uh, funds, market makers, 
and larger participants. Well, because they understand that it's an existential crisis. Like if there was ever an issue with redeeming USDT for US dollars, that would be the canary in the coal mine. Like, like the, this whole, this whole fucking house of cards is going to come down. Um, so, I mean, at this point, like they've made so much money. It is interesting to see like those massive USDT prints and then obviously the market going up and then, you know, uh, if they're holding assets, because you still don't really know the, tr- I don't think you they disclose what the actual makeup of USDT is. I know that they're like one of the biggest buyers of commercial paper and short-term bonds at this point. But um, how much, because I know in the past there were like claims that it was actually held in Bitcoin and stuff. And so like they're, you know, who's minting all the money? Well, that was the, the issue money? back then was that, yeah. you know, they were, <clears throat> they were stating that, you know, uh, it, it was, all backed what, by dollars but it was they're actually one to one backed but it was like 70 for something backed and then i think the rest of it was a mix of like bitcoin t-bill you know real world assets and uh and Commercial ethereum like yeah. yeah yeah but but it's actually much more than that um and the amount of money that they made just off like holding commercial paper and t-bills last year was absolutely insane so like i yeah, I don't know how you look at those numbers and, and think that um, they're not prepared to, to fill a hole if it were to occur. <laughs> yeah, so so with all that said, I think the same applies to Binance. If Binance were to come tumbling down, like that would be an existential crisis because Binance provides so much of the infrastructure and so much of the volume in the space um especially if it were to go into like some sort of like liquidation or bankruptcy whereas like people's assets on the platform are unable to be traded on like that would put a huge liquidity crunch in the system that it would be difficult to come back from so i'm in the i'm in the camp of four it's not even worth the the fud finance because our whole industry is fucked if if there's any sort of like bad um, bad acting there, but I don't. I don't think there is. I think that a lot of the pointing fingers at Binance could be like, especially like the Democratic uh, Party's stance on China right now, which is like China bad, um, and just the, just the, just the name of the founder is enough. Yeah, yeah. And, like especially, do you see that video that like showed up not too long ago of like when they initially set up their headquarters? It was in Shanghai, I think. No. Yeah, there's Maybe a video. Like, it's a what? young CZ. It's like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And it's like him walking through a Binance office. And I think um, I think it was in Shanghai. But obviously now it's still like up and like, where is Binance even headquartered? No one really knows. <laughs> like, just amazing to me, right? Like, so you'll set I've up different of, I've heard a lot of funny and interesting stories from back then. I have a, a close friend I met in like my earlier time working in the space who was an old business partner of his in their early crypto times not to dox like where they worked at together but they worked together for a while so he he had a lot of interesting stories to share about uh the early days of of binance and pre-binance and stuff look i think i think that yeah at this point they made enough money in the last bull run to like clean up their books, whether there was wrongdoing in the past and it's clean today. Do we really care? Like, it depends on what it was. Like, are they using client assets for something? Cause that's like a definite no, no. Are they doing some stuff that's like 
gray area, then whatever, right? I mean, it's whatever you did. Like, look, every industry that has had like super impactful, um, it like is if that has been super impactful over the last like 10 years is it was in some gray area. Yeah. Right. Like Uber, I think is a great example. Like they were definitely in the gray area everywhere and they just fucking, they just used all of their campaign, their, uh, their funding, their venture capital to put a strong legal team together and fight it when they can. They, they go into the market, they provide a service. They take the stance that it's completely right. Sharing is completely legal. We fit within this criteria and we'll just battle you. We'll yeah. just, we'll just take it as legal expense as a cost of doing business. Funny enough, I, I recently read about and had to like, and I put my foot down with one of the, with the guy who was renting me or, or ride sharing me his vehicle because in, uh, in LA, um, the LAX, LAX, Los Angeles airport had banned uh, Turo because it said that they were like a taxing service and they needed to pay, you know, to have a fleet there. And uh, they're, you know, they're not, they're uh, a ride sharing service. They're actually a carpooling service. And um, <clears throat> they, they fought it and they won, you know, and, uh, and it's funny to see, you know, like when, how, how the law works and you're able to grasp onto these um, really, really thin straws in which fit you into uh, some structure, uh, whether it be for tax purposes or, or uh, legal uh, kind of framework purposes, um, you're able to, you know, mold your business or change the language of, of the way things work so that uh, you're able to fit in these, these constraints of whatever law you're trying to or whatever classification you're trying to to, to get your your breaks. Um, cause you know, like it, it, it's clearly not a carpooling service. Like I'm renting a car. <laughs> I, I put in a request to borrow your car. I pay you for it. You loan it to me and I give it back to you when I'm done. Like that's renting. Uh, <laughs> I grew up renting movies from blockbuster. Yeah. That's how old I am. Um, yeah, so like uh, renting is a very familiar concept to me. If I were if I were a judge and someone came in and tried to argue that like I wasn't a car rental service, I'd be like, "Dude, what the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think in this space there's just a lot of gray area, and I think that like what Sam did at the beginning stages of like I created Alameda Research, call it a research company, no one's going to challenge a research company. Maybe he did some blatant fraud in the terms of like how he what he said the business was for but like there were no ways to do banking there still today is very few ways to do banking when you're a crypto business so he did what he had to do to get banking services and then he just got a little too cocky on that there's a certain point in your growth stages where you're like okay well now we got to figure this shit out we can't just keep on running all of every single wire through fucking Alameda research when it actually is going to a different legal entity and being custody at FTX. So every time a, they don't even have to be crypto's main character. Every time a protocol's main character gets too cocky uh, or egotistical, you, you just like know that uh, the karmic forces of the world are going to punish them. It happens every single time, you know, it's like, uh, it, it is, uh, 
uh, Elon theory, you know, the most entertaining outcome will be. No, I say it more like the power, power corrupts. Like, I don't know. I, I think that uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Or whatever that saying is, is that like you get these people in these positions that just, they get way too cocky and they need to take a step back. Um, and they, they're, yeah, there's, they're just they're, start cutting corners way too much. Um, I learned a long time ago from a good friend who um, has run many successful crypto businesses and, and still has some uh, that are operating doing well today that you never want to be the first on the list. And like you obviously don't want to be the last or near the last either because like then you're not profitable. But if you're the first on the list, then you're the first one that, you know, the regulars go at you're the first one to catch criticism you're the first one to catch everything so like you can be the first with some of your innovations but you don't want to be the most boisterous to where yeah flamboyant yeah 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 exactly. like you know innovation wise and and technical ability like sure you can be the first to like push out tech but you never want to push yourself to the first to first place of the list that people are looking at um so they did a really good job at always being like in the top five uh, when they were building different products and, and they generated tons of revenue doing that, but it also gave them the safety of being able to look at the number one when the number one was getting in trouble for something or the number one was making a change because, uh, you know, they got wind of some new, uh, ruling that may come through or new rule they're going to impose upon, uh, exchanges or, you know, whatever service it may be. Um, and they would make a change. <clears throat> so it would give you some breathing room because you'd be like, okay, if they're doing that, there's a reason that they're doing that. We should probably like follow suit. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've always, I've always kept that like close to my, my heart and in my head. And, it, and it's why I'll never be like overly boisterous or flamboyant um, <laughs> in whatever I do. Yeah, you don't want to paint a target. That's the last thing you want to do is paint a target. Um, you gotta, you gotta tiptoe around, um, and especially in this market condition, there's no reason to take risks that are gonna get you hit and like at the worst time. Yeah, right. You just play risk averse. You the volumes are low anyways. If things change in the future, great, but you don't want to take on a lot of risk now. And then when market conditions change. And you're the first. You're the first with the painted target on your back. Um, anyways, I see that. I I, see, I feel like I see that in the, in the industry right now. It's that some people are taking a little bit more risks than they should be. Back to Binance, though. I definitely see a world in which they come. You know, they start, they open a lot of like allow for they clean up stuff internally. Maybe they they try to argue, they try to get some sort of like safe harbor or like some you know if we self report this you know go easy on us tap us on the risk but everything is good now we have the right procedures in place now we were a growing company we are expanding um, but we weren't doing anything that was you know blatant fraud um, or misuse of customer funds um, and then see what they see if they get a small fine and then they can like they headquarter in like Hong Kong since Hong Kong's opening up a lot, seeing a lot in that space. So I could see something like that happens and we'll see, we'll, we'll see how that looks. Cause 
the US from like a government standpoint is like, well, even though Hong Kong is kind of operating as a separate entity, um, everything gets pre-approved by CCP anyways, right? So I could see that creating some interesting dynamics in the US just from like a government regulatory positioning perspective. But I think that I read something this week that like the whole ban on crypto mining and cryptocurrencies being illegal technically. Um, but like you can go to Hong Kong and still buy them. Like Hong Kong has always been the proxy to the Western world for capital markets to Asia. Right. And so that's clearly not changing. Um, I think that, that being the single point of of capital control for China, you know, makes sense to them, and so they're going to continue to do this with crypto. And I could see more companies starting to to build a do it, build a base. Hong Kong is a great hub for like for like a financial hub. I don't know what the impact has been since they had all those like riots, uh, but in the past, it you know, especially in the first few years after Britain gave up control back to China. It was, you know, still a super fruitful place to, to run a finance business, capital markets business. So I continue to see it as as being a, a hub to the to the east. Oh, we shall see. We shall see. I, I'm, I'm surprised Singapore hasn't like. I mean, they're they kind of do their own thing as a city state, but. Singapore gets uh has been getting uh, some hate lately, which is uh unusual. I've been seeing people, I've seen a lot of people. Well, like uh, their new like, they have a new minister or something, and he's like anti crypto everything, I guess. So they might have a regime change over there that's like not really good for for those types of businesses in Singapore. I don't know. I'll tell you this, Singapore is not the place for me. <laughs> it's too I, fucking uh, hot. On my uh, list. It's too fucking hot. I I you know don't have the selection of gum that I have other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Things are very, very expensive for no reason. And it, no one can tell me that it's only in like the tourist area. Like I went I left the fucking city uh and and went into the jungle to some restaurant okay to try uh some like local really well known and 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 respected i guess or um chili crab and it was good it was fucking amazing but it was still expensive i i think like half a crab was like like two hundred dollars or something hey man i don't know why you thought it'd be cheap <laughs> Singapore, um, Singapore cost of living is pretty high. Like their citizens do well. Um, they take care of their citizens. Super clean city. I, yeah, it was pretty clean. I think it's funny that there's like public beatings for like spitting on the street <laughs> or jaywalking. Uh, super funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a different way. It's a different way to parent, I guess. Vaping is illegal there, but everyone vapes. They they have a huge black market from um like indonesia yeah, well, Malaysia. Asian cultures and smoking i guess right yeah they want them smoking cigarettes they don't want them looking like a, a sissy american with their their electronic cigarette 
Uh, oh, you're allowed to smoke cigarettes. It's not vapes. Yeah, yeah, the vaping is illegal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. You know, I came with my juice and my my vape, and like you go through the secondary security when you get off, they run your stuff. I had it like in my pocket. I took it out and threw it in the thing. No one said anything to me, and I didn't find out till I was at a restaurant like later that day. Yeah, you told us this. Yeah, yeah, they told me. Um, okay, on to something else cool. Uh, I don't know if you saw this today, but pudgy penguins are in uh, are in Walmart. Where were they before? Uh, they were just are on they... Amazon. No, it was just it Amazon. Was yeah, yeah. Oh. But these are different. These ones, I think, are the other ones were like little pudgy toys. And these mm -hmm. ones are, uh, I believe, like pudgy stuffed animals. Um, what's crazy to me, right, is um, this is probably like. Outside of ice bags and all of the uh, like fighting sponsorships, um, you know, and and I think he's doing some a huge thing for like the Kanpai Panda's brand awareness. It's probably one of the biggest, uh, we'll say, marketing pushes and like reaches and kind of in that attention sphere or that sector of kind of attention gravity. But as far as like getting your actual NFT. And getting NFTs into the hands of the the mainstream, I think Pudgy Penguins kind of takes the cake here because every uh, Pudgy Penguin comes with like its own unique birth certificate. It gives you access to their new Pudgy world. Uh, you get different character traits and uh, and like you can customize your your Pudgy on there in their new little Pudgy world. So it's kind of cool because every person that buys one of these gets, you know, an, an interactive kind of experience with uh, with blockchain and with NFTs. Digital? It's a digital good? Yep, it's a digital. It's a digital thing. Um, but what amazes me is, like, this is the biggest thing we've seen in, like, NFT adoption. <laughs> and there, there are still crypto and NFT people flooding it, like... I just don't understand, like, how, what will make these people happy? Dude, they're just vampires. Just don't, you got to ignore the, the energy vampires. People fun anything. It's, it's, it's easy, to, and it's also easy to get engagement with negativity. So it, It's really cool me... to see Pudgies uh, make it this far. I remember, I remember the launch of Pudgies. We minted a shit ton of them, and when they, they revealed... We were very disappointed, to say the least, at first. Hey. And then, uh, <laughs> and Except then I, for flip. No, it was it was a few. It, it took a few days uh, before we we found them funny. Uh, I I forgot who was posting them. Someone was spamming them. We had we had like a private Telegram chat that was just like, I don't know, maybe ten of us at the time. And I don't know if it was if it was Elmo or Bergie who started spamming like some of these uh these different penguins and using them as reactions like you know and then the more we were looking and we thought they were funny so we just started sweeping them and they were so fucking cheap because they had dude they had I, that dumped was my like biggest l in nfts is that i was like trying to underbut bid people by like 0 0.01 eth on yeah, their orders when the things were like they were 0.02 you know like every yeah no one, like nobody 0.03 wanted them. when i was at them and i was like underbidding people like willing like, what ten dollar difference yeah. at the time and i had like 50 bids um and then they just started getting swept so i got my one pudgy i'm happy 
Yeah, but Pudgies have been through Pudgies have been through a lot, and uh, I I definitely you know Luca deserves some flowers taking over Pudgies when uh they were kind of at a at a turning point at a low. There was a lot of external hate from other other NFT gangs at the time. I don't want to call them communities. They're like fucking packs of wild animals. <laughs> and, Getting a lot of hate from that. Plus, you had all the shit going on with Cole, and it's like <clears throat> they're just kids. You can't really blame them there for for like making mistakes here and there. You're under such like a a microscope when you're a, a founder in in Web three or DeFi. And for those guys, they're what like uh, still in college, I think, at the time. Like you know, they're they're young as shit. They didn't know what they're like really getting themselves into. I think. Um, so Luca coming in, taking over, and now bringing it to the point where <clears throat> they're, they're literally able to be in the hands of every person uh, in the world through Amazon or through Walmart that uh, it, it's pretty cool to see. Dude, when, uh, when is the ROG going to get some uh, utility? God, that ROG. <laughs> I'm just sitting on my ROG. Bro, ROG, ROGs are still like what, close to an ETH? I don't know, but I know that the, what are the mini ones called? The baby ones? Little pudgies? Yeah, they're up to like almost like half a ETH, I think. Really? Yeah. I still kept a couple of uh, of each, like a, a set of of a few. Of I them. just have my one. I got my one and all the little derivatives I got from having the one. Yeah, I will shout out to Vinyl uh, Zero X Vinyl. The uh, the Mecha Penguins are still like some of my all time favorite derivatives of uh, a project that's been made, and. They definitely don't get enough love. Very, very like detailed um, mecha versions of your your penguins. While we're talking about NFTs, um, and we use Anadas here, um, Halloween stuff coming up. They've got some interchangeable outfits that will be like spooky themed. Not really a usually huge like stan or fan of stuff like that, but. I will definitely be using spooky-themed uh, clothing. I'm wondering if I'll get something custom for this guy since I feel like the other spooky clothes will look off given his, uh, yeah, his complexion. Black. Yeah, yeah. And DCF God, Hero, if you're listening, Grug, Big D, we need an Eden Anata for DK ASAP. Like mine kind of, it's already all black. You know, it's got white. It, it can, it's fine how it is. I wouldn't use the other one if you made it for me anyway. Um, but DK, Ooh. yeah, and I and I like this uh, good cop bad cop thing we got going on. Devil, devil angel thing. So should play play into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing that I wanted to touch on today uh, because it happened over the last few days was um, a, a project that I always uh, kind of like to keep my eye on. They're an Arbitrum native project. They recently um, got RFV rated and uh, are shutting down Vesta, Vesta Finance. If you um, are a Vesta holder, they'll have claims that will extend forever. They're, they're getting a front end up and ready for that. But um, they were having some internal disputes between founders. There were two founders that wanted to rage quit, leave. There were a few different proposals that went up to for the DAO to buy back their tokens um, or for them to sell them on open market or for 
you know, them be, to be able to claim from the treasury at certain prices. Um, and in the end, the proposal that ended up going up and, and passing was a full, a full shutdown and, uh, a claim available to everyone. So if you are a Vesta holder and you have not been, uh, keeping up with the recent forum posts and proposals and discussions going on, make sure to, uh, Pay attention from here on because they will have a new UI up soon for you to go and redeem. RIP. Uh, I really liked those uh, the product. Um, I thought they they kind of had a hard time finding like PMF at the time just because of market conditions and like all the other shit that was going on and other chains. Um, maybe it was like right place, Arbitrum, wrong time. I think there are some other factors that that also led to this, but I don't want to get into that too much out of respect for uh, the founders of the protocol. All right, it's time for time to get to work. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. Uh, tomorrow, DK, you're here tomorrow. I am here. All right, cool. Stream tomorrow. Catch us back, same time, 11 EST. Um, then Thursday, I will probably have a guest with me. DK will be on a plane or already in Barcelona. Friday mm -hmm. will be no stream. Friday, I'll be on a plane. Oh, wait, Friday, actually, I may stream still because I think I, I don't leave till the afternoon. Um, yeah, I'm But then we're in Barcelona. So, again, if you are going to be in Barcelona for SmartCon, you're going to be at ETH Milan. Uh, shoot us a DM, either one of us, at DK3Anon, at Cozy, or at Eden Aesthetics. Love to meet up with you guys. Uh, we also have an event at uh, SmartCon in Barcelona that will be on the 1st. Shoot us a message. We'll, we'll send you the link or head over to the Premium Finance Twitter account and look for our DeFi Yesta Eventbrite link. That's all for today, guys and gals. We'll see you back tomorrow. Bye.